AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's Friday, June 26th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. We've shifted into a new phase in the coronavirus pandemic. We're social distancing, washing our hands, wearing those face masks, and we're reopening the country. I'll still give you updates on any new information about the virus and vaccine development, but I'll also be focusing on how we are reopening America. Everything that makes a dive bar great makes them especially vulnerable to COVID-19. Dark interiors and busy atmospheres might lend itself to a good time, but it makes it hard to social distance and keep the air clean. The big question is, are patrons ready to go back? Nick Mancall Battelle, reporter at Eater, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thanks for having me. As the country starts to open up, one of my favorite types of places to go to, the dive bar, is particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. You know, we've done stories about how transmission happens. They happen in especially places with poor ventilation, let's say, uh, person-to-person contact for extended periods of time. And those are some of the things that you get at a dive bar, some of the things that you make them even better, really. You know, you like these dark places that, you know, when they're filled to the gills, there's just action happening and drinks flowing, lots of good people watching. These are some things that really make the dive bar special, but it's also that thing that makes them vulnerable to COVID-19. Nick, tell us a little bit about it. You spoke to a few bar owners and their experience throughout all of this. So uh, I spoke to a number of bartenders, bar owners all over the country, and the situation really differs in each city, but there were definitely some overlapping factors. So people really love going to rowdy dive bars because they are small and they're notoriously dirty. And even if that stereotype isn't exactly true for most places, it still gives them a reputation that maybe makes customers a little bit wary about going in the COVID era. You know, they tend to do a lot of business at the bar as opposed to tables. So it's kind of hard to socially distance there. They deal in cash, which has become really taboo. They do 
things that are normally really cute and fun, like they serve communal snacks. And obviously that can't happen now. So these businesses are really struggling, even in comparison to other restaurants and bars around them who maybe can pivot to provide to-go cocktails due to loosened regulations in some cities. Dive bars can't really do that, either because they don't serve mixed drinks or they're not known for that. And unless a customer is going to go out of their way to throw a few dollars to a dive bar, they're probably not going to order a beer to go. So there are not a lot of options for these owners, even the ones who are sort of trying to work with the regulations in their cities because customers just aren't coming for that. So let's talk about some of those regulations, because as things started to open up, one of the rules in a lot of places was you had to serve food if you were going to also serve drinks. So right away, a lot of these drinks only bars were at a disadvantage and they were making partnerships with restaurants or or something else so that they could do both. Again, it kind of comes down to the city because regulations are differing everywhere and they're changing all the time, which is making it really hard for some of these owners. But yeah, Susan Carnell, who owns the living room in L.A., partnered with a soul food restaurant next door or was planning to uh, as a few weeks ago to set up in their parking lot and serve food and drinks. And then just recently, L.A. announced she no longer has to do that. So now she's refiguring. And Mark Connell, who owns Botanica in New York, was getting around a rule that required to go drinks there to be accompanied by food. So he was just throwing in a bag of chips just to get around that arbitrary rule. So it takes a lot of pivoting and a lot of creativity from some of these owners to get around these crazy rules. What about bartenders? I know a lot of business owners, bar owners are concerned for their staff, obviously, as well. They want them to be safe, but they also want them to make money. And if people aren't really turning out, that's a difficult thing to really go back to. Some owners have gotten loans. Uh, A lot of them have gotten PPP loans, which have to go for the most part to employees, even though that's shifting as well. So some of them have been able to bring back staff in some capacity, but that also relies on the willingness of the bartenders to come back at all. And in some cases, that's not a problem. In New York, for example, Mark said his bartenders at Botanica would be happy to come back. You know, they are done being quarantined. They want to work. But out in L.A. at the living room, the situation is totally different. You know, the staffers are really cautious. Beyond this, you spoke about the business loans and all that. Costs are going up everywhere. So some of the great things about dive bars are some of the really cheap drink specials. And you talk about a place in Philadelphia that had a shot and a beer combo for $4. I think in Los Angeles, where I'm from, one of the fun places I used to go to back in the day, the Gold Room, they would do a same thing, a shot of tequila and a beer combo for $4. And these prices aren't necessarily sustainable that much anymore, depending on what the comeback is like. Yeah, a lot of these businesses were already struggling to survive in major cities. You know, dive bars have been disappearing for years, and this is really just exacerbating that. So Bob and Barbara's, a great bar in Philadelphia, has been known forever for serving the special. Elsewhere, it's known as the citywide special, which is a shot and a beer. It's usually a PBR and a shot of Jim Beam. And that price of that drink has been creeping up already from $3 to $3.50 to $4.00. And I talked to Jack Prince, who's owned the bar for 25 years, and he doesn't know what he's going to price it if and when the bar opens. He doesn't know how he's going to be able to make you know, his bottom line work and still offer the affordable drinks that people know the bar for. I want to read the quote that you put from Prince at the very end of your article, talking about the situation for dive bars. And he said, you know, if this is the end, wow, that sucks. But hopefully 
we will live on. And that's just got to be the sentiment that a lot of bar owners, business owners more broadly, obviously too, restaurants and, and things like that. But that's just got to be the sentiment that a lot of people have with the way the shutdowns have impacted businesses. Dive bars are pillars of their communities. You know, they're places that form the foundation for a lot of people to come together. And they are struggling. They were struggling. They will continue to struggle. And they will continue to work to survive, to keep providing the scene and the drinks that people show up for. But it's going to be hard. And you speak about it throughout the article, how dive bars have had to update themselves, renovate to attract more people. But they also want to cater to the locals, the people in their community that really prop up that business. And this is why I love you know, my own local dive bar is the same thing. You like to be a regular somewhere. You like to go and socialize and, and know the people there. And as Prince said, it, it would suck if that were to go away. This is really typified by uh, the living room right here in Los Angeles. And that Susan, the bar owner there, was talking about how she does cater to a couple different crowds. You know, during the daytime, she gets her regulars. And at night, you know, it's a more diverse, gentrified crowd, basically. And those daytime regulars are older folks. Because of the community, you know, they're older black folks. They're people that go way back with her, who show up for her. They're her friends. And they're worried. They're maybe not coming back. As much as they want to support, uh, you know, a friendly business, they're just not going to come out. Nick Mancall Battelle, reporter at Eater. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 